very warm welcome to the Understanding Users podcast, brought to you by Researchable UX. It's great to have you with me. I'm your host, Mike Green. I'm a freelance user research lead and digital consultant based in the UK. Over the coming weeks, I'm going to be chatting to various digital experts who I've had the pleasure of working with in recent years. They're from various disciplines, including user research, UX design, development, and product management. And they'll even be a digital business owner or two. I'll be talking to them about how they came to be in their current roles, what they've learned along the way, and what advice they may have for others getting into the field. These are intended to be relaxed, informal chats with professionals who are keen to share their experiences. So sit back and enjoy. This is the second of a three-part episode of Understanding Users, where I chat with the keynote speakers at the fully remote 2022 User-Centered Design, or UCD, gathering conference. Ben Holliday is Chief Designer at TPX Impact, and Daniel Tewitt is a freelance service design lead. Ben and Daniel talked to me about their careers to date, the way they work, and they both share an intriguing outline of their forthcoming keynote addresses. Ben's keynote is entitled Multiplied by Design, and Daniel's keynote is How Complexity is Shaping the World of Designing Good Services. They also play my three-card challenge to share their favorite UX tool, favorite technique, and a trend they see now or in the future. Thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoy the episode. So this time I'm speaking to Ben Holliday, who's Chief Designer at TPX Impact. Hey Ben, welcome to the show. Good to talk to you. Yeah, hi, great to be here. Uh, Thanks for having me. Could you kick off by telling us a little bit more about yourself and your role uh, and uh, and the work that you do at, at TPX Impact? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I'm a designer. I've been a designer for over 20 years now. Um, so at TPX Impact, I'm chief designer. Um, so I lead a, a, a like design teams in our company. Um, so we're a digital transformation organization. So we work um, with the public and the private sector. Um, most of the work that my team's involved with is more the public sector work at the moment. Uh, but we have a service design, interaction design, content design, and design research teams. Um, so I guess a lot of my day to day, like I help kind of shape our work, work very closely with our, our clients and projects as well, uh, helping to make sure that design is part of how we, we really deliver value and impact through the work we do in, in, in the public sector, especially, and really making sure that we, we put people and user-centered design at the heart of, of everything. And um, my background, to, to give you kind of a little bit more kind of how I got here, um, I started out, I studied graphic design way back. Um, that that got me to a point where um, I got really interested in digital early on in my career, uh, learned how to code, learn how to kind of build things, how to experiment. Um, UX design became a thing maybe like 15, 17, even years ago now, and got really interested in user experience design and this idea that actually we could really focus our work on understanding um, like people's needs, people's experiences firsthand, like real interesting kind of user research kind of came out of that period of my work as well. Um, and then about probably nine years ago now, I was just in the process of uh, going to GDS, the Government Digital Service, for a year. Actually, I mostly focused on user research at the time as part of some of the exemplar projects that were being delivered at, um, as an extension of gov.uk. I did a lot of work at the time there with DWP and which Department for Work and Pensions. I ended up as their head of design a year later. So I spent four years there. And then actually that took me to join FutureGov, uh, which is now TPX Impact. And that's been my journey for the last kind of five years. So I guess more recently leading design, leading design teams, um, helping shape design teams and make sure design is also part of how we, we do kind of technology and transformation at scale as well. 
So you've been in the game a long time by the sound of it. It feels uh, like it now, yeah. I still like to think of myself as uh, fairly new to this, but when I kind of look back, I guess it is, it is lots of things now and 20 years has kind of flown by. But um, yeah, it's been it's been really interesting how design has changed in that time, actually, from, uh, and I guess, the opportunity to, to be interested in whether it's um, like more product-focused work, like I've worked for startups as well. Um, and broadly, it kind of as, as I've got on this kind of, Real, real curiosity, I think, to solve bigger problems, to work on problems that are much more about actually you start to recognize that are about how systems work, how organizations work. And all of that really determines still what happens, you know, in terms of how people experience change in their lives and the needs that they have and how places like government, the public sector and organizations meet those needs and how we, we use design, you know, to be really intentional about making things work as well as possible for people and to, to reimagine what could be possible as well is kind of what excites me still. So that leads on to my next question. So I was going to ask how, in your view, can designers and researchers and, and, and service teams kind of ensure that they're having the greatest impact on uh, the user experience um, uh, in terms of kind of the work they do? Yes, yeah, it's so a great question. And there's always this kind of tension, I guess, in design of like where you work and the, the constraints that you're kind of working with. Our design is all about like creatively dealing with constraints and quite often that is like in government, it's things like like how you work with policy, policy intent. In organizations, it's how you work with business strategy and goals and, and direction. And quite often like something, you know, things you're kind of dealing with the tension between things. Like design is quite often like that creative tension in, in terms of what is and what could be. And I think for, for designers, like one of the, one of the ways we add value is that, you know, the, the willingness to kind of ask that what what if or what could be possible question um, to be bold and say, actually, this is what it could look like. And I, I think a lot about how design is a real danger that designer, I think, especially kind of as designers kind of matured, I guess, in places like kind of product companies, it becomes very like implementation focused. It's kind of it's it's kind of taking requirements and it's designing the kind of detailed flows or but actually quite often, like are we really asking the bigger question of kind of why we're designing things as they are, or, you know, why does this product exist or what problem is it really there to solve? And is there something better? And um, like we, we definitely live in a moment where there are much more bigger, more systemic challenges, societal challenges, we're just kind of coming out of, covid whatever that looks like and feels like at the moment uh like the climate emergency like these are all like i think design thinking can help us with all of these things because actually design is really good at starting to say well like what could be possible what could it look like how do we visualize that and actually how do we make it real like design is really good at and design is generally good at taking kind of a future picture of what something could be but making it tangible in a way making something prototyping piloting but in ways that actually allow other people to engage directly so you make that future now and that's that's the kind of process of like how do you bring bring what could be into the present even in a small way that allows people to start to interact with it because that's how change happens when people can see and experience it for themselves so thinking now about the ucd gathering event which is coming up soon that obviously you're one of the keynote speakers at tell us about your talk what are you going to be talking about Yes, yeah, so I'm going to be talking about this idea of multiplied by design. So um, actually what I've been doing for the last um, like it's 12 months now, really, but I spent six months writing a, 
a book called Multiplied, uh, which we finished at the end of last year and which came out in February this year, which is about how digital transformation can deliver more impact for the public sector. So I've been working on that with TPX Impact. A big theme in the book is really about what what really enables our work to deliver more impact, what, what becomes the multipliers in what we do. And I really have this belief as a designer that everything we do can become more than the sum of its parts. And, and design really is is really what makes that possible. Like I said before, it's how we imagine what could be. It's it's how we kind of start to set out the alternative and find ways to bring that into reality. And um, so the book is very broad. It, it talks about technology and data and really how organisations sort of think much more broadly about using digital to reimagine services. But what I really want to do at UCD Gathering is focus in on some of the design themes in the book. So how does design start to be the thing that actually um changes the equation uh, there's a fantastic quote that i love in the book which i always like use in talks by arne ness who's um like, he was a philosopher and environmentalist uh, who's sadly no longer with us but like, he said that claiming that something's impossible is nothing more than a temporary working hypothesis and it's this idea this kind of sums up all of design for me that two plus two could equal five when something changes and i love that because actually design is quite often like what changes and Quite often we're working with the same component parts, the same constraints, the policy, the technology, but actually it's context. And it's one of the reasons I love user research because it's all about learning. It's all about how do we start to connect with context in interesting ways and context starts to redefine the value of kind of how we design, how people interact, how people move through different journeys, uh, what people experience and the type of outcomes that that delivers as well. So. I've got some really kind of practical examples from the book and also some kind of other really great examples that I've seen since that I'd love to kind of explore more and just kind of practically challenge as well, like what are the things we can be doing as designers, whether we're, you know, we work in the private public sector, work for ourselves, like what are the things that we can start to do in our work that really enable like our clients or our organisations to to think and work differently in the way that they use design to, to essentially like transform how they work. Brilliant. That sounds fascinating. Can't, can't wait to hear that. What would you uh, like your audience to take away from, from your talk? If there was kind of one key takeaway, what would you, without sort of spoiling the surprise, what, what would it be? So, so I guess it's interesting with this audience having probably imagining the type of audience that will be at UCD gathering. And uh, I'm sure there'll be a lot of kind of friends and familiar faces there. Um, but there's always the kind of message that design is a good idea. But I would hope that that, that is kind of with this audience that that we're kind of there as a starting point. Um, but but really the like design has to go further than just design thinking. We have to really, we have to take that to the point where actually we're shaping the kind of mindsets of our organization and how the people around us start to respond, behave, you know, the way that we shape the behaviors in our teams, the way people respond in terms of like challenging assumptions, the way that we frame problems, uh, the way that we're prepared to actually take more intuitive leaps in our work and explore you know new new types of solutions new uses of technology you know we're prepared to take risks as well uh, and really the mindset of learning by doing that i hope people will go away with a kind of renewed energy and enthusiasm to to keep going which is something i say quite a lot because quite often as designers like we're working in really hard environments like places where change is hard where we you know, a lot, a lot of designers don't feel like they're listened to or like their work is kind of understood in terms of the way that it can create value. But some, some really practical things in terms of, I, you know, I think individually we all have the opportunity to start to shape 
what's happening around us in our teams through our own kind of individual behaviors actually like we we can start to build that collectively and like opportunities like this are really to say like these are all things we can all start to do which actually does build change over time in our organizations i think so hopefully some really practical things as well as um hopefully just some inspiring stories to take away and use and and think about as well right last thing then before i let you go uh the three card challenge so yes. i've got three cards here pick a card Okay, I will go for the the one right at the front there, the, the jack. So jack of spades is technique. Okay. So tell me about a UX technique that you love or you tend to gravitate towards in your work. So I guess my work has changed in terms of kind of leading design and, and being a little bit less hands-on, but I still love prototyping, like how we make things real um like the the kind of best service designers i work with are fantastic at storyboarding i I really love like if you can put people in a room together even from different disciplines i've seen sessions where we brought kind of you know people running frontline services and policy people into a room and actually creating like visual storyboards just through drawing and come out with an understanding of kind of how something works or what a future experience kind of could look like and visualizing that so yeah, uh, storyboarding, I think mapping as well. Like I still love maps, like the perspective and how we we create visual artifacts uh, purely because I think for me, actually, this is probably still my work. It's how do we create things that bring people together for a meaningful conversation? And that's it's been a big challenge with working remotely over the last two years, but we used to talk about it actually at uh, the Government Digital Service in the research team as kind of... Um, yeah, the kind of it's almost like research walls become like the campfire moments they kind of draw people in to tell stories around artifacts in a meaningful way so i still really love that idea so what can we create you know what that's visual that brings people together even if it's a Miro board like what is it that kind of gathers us together to build share shared understanding and make progress with whatever it is we're working on absolutely right Two more cards. Okay, so we've got, uh, let's have a look. Got the ace, haven't we? So the ace is, uh, ace of hearts is a tool. Okay. So what's your, what's your again, your favorite tool or your go-to tool or maybe a tool that you recommend your teams to use? Oh, good question. Um, yeah, I think there's still something about, I've talked about prototyping before, but even like lo-fi prototyping, even the ability to make stuff out of paper where you can just, whatever kind of works well enough to test a concept or idea um i worry a lot less these days about whether we're working in figma or you know whatever it used you know used to be sketch or however far you go back and what kind of tools kind of people are working in more like how do we make ideas real quick enough i think there's still something for me as well like a lot of my work is kind of communication but the tool i'd really recommend that like i'd love to see uh more people like setting up WordPress blogs and doing stuff, you know, writing, sharing, like the ability to connect, share ideas with other people still feels like the most important tool in my work. I think like I first kind of started using and experimenting with different kind of blogging tools, micro blogging tools like Twitter, like, you know, we're talking like 15, 17 years ago now with kind of setting up my first blog, but that's probably been the most valuable tool throughout my entire time as a designer in terms of connecting, sharing, starting meaningful conversations. And last one, the queen of diamonds is a trend. So as I've said, it may be some people dislike that word trend. We know how trend driven this industry can be, but trends you like, maybe trend you don't like, something that you see at the moment or kind of coming down the line. 
Yeah, I think there are some like really positive trends or like think patterns we can recognise in the work that we do. I think we're definitely seeing a shift. I'm seeing it more in the public sector work because I'm closer to that at the moment. Where I think we're we're seeing organisations and teams investing much more with how we design with people, not just for people. Uh, so what we talk about as co-design or participatory design approaches. So being more deliberate with how we place others at the centre of all of our work so not just like testing our work at the end of the process with somebody that's kind of deemed as a user uh, but actually like how do we bring people into a design process recognizing that actually like how we imagine like how the future could be actually one of our biggest opportunities is to talk to people that are invested in that that are going to be directly affected by that work with communities uh, work with local groups and work much harder actually to reach much further in terms of who we talk to who we work with or and I think there's a there's definitely a sense that we need to work much harder around inclusion and reach of services especially in the public sector how services work for everybody as well like truly work for everybody so not just a digital service then some other things for everybody else um, who can't access that but how do we really think about like what you often describe as kind of outliers or you know think about kind of we talk about designing for extremes is kind of language I kind of uh, remember reading about years ago but actually how do we really like look further in terms of finding those insights and opportunities that are going to let us potentially design something that works better for everybody in society and I'm seeing some fantastic examples across public sector of that type of work happening right now and I think we need more of it because we are like I said earlier it's you know we are facing some significant challenges in society in all of our lives that I think design can help us work our way through or respond to as we all kind of continue to have to respond to significant change. That's a lovely positive note to end on there, Ben. So thank you so much for your time. Great to chat to you and very much looking forward to to hearing your talk. Fantastic. Thanks very much. So my next guest is Daniel Tewitt and Daniel's going to be one of the keynote speakers at UCD Gathering Online. Thanks for talking to us, Dan. Great to have you on the show. It's a pleasure to be here, Mike. Could I get you first just to introduce yourself a little bit? Tell us a little bit about you. Perfect. So I work as a server design lead. So I work in organizations to really understand not just how to make things beautiful or just improve experiences, but look at it at a multi-layered approach um, of the business needs, the customer needs, the system to policies, uh, and how the services can directly impact people across different um, touch points over time. And also think about how... Um, services can better be more seamless in general in layman terms or what I like to say I like to make the complex simple for everyone involved that's a very noble aspiration absolutely it's it's Um, not always easy (laughs) (laughs) no I'm sure Um, tell me a little bit about your career just give me a kind of potted overview of, of how you got to where you got to it's a bit of a squiggly career I'd say it's a mix between hard work luck and being in the right place at the right times to be honest so very lucky almost a decade ago i started off in a consultancy firm after i finished my masters and um we did this funny thing called design thinking which was really novel at the time because um, a lot of the approaches we were, we were designing for was how can we use and this was most of the hype technologies at that time and i can say hype because there's things such as big data mobility cloud technology all the stuff almost a decade ago that was very, very novel, analytical stuff. We were working with large organizations and the likes of Lego, Twinings, and Transport of London to help them really figure out not just how to create 
um, out-of-the-box out solutions that are packaged for everyone, but how do we really focus on unique challenges that are impacting them? So this is when things like the Internet of Things was very new, how we're thinking about creating mobile um, device and mobile apps for businesses and for customers and to pretty much improve that whole experience from a technology point of view. Uh, my role with a whole team of innovation consultants at that time was coming in to look at it from not just the technology side of things, but how do you look at it from a design side where we use design thinking and human-centered design as the key anchor to create real change, really. So we're making bespoke solutions for them. Right. So how would you say then, working in a team, um, how can designers, researchers, everyone involved in you know, sort of the user experience world and service design world ensure they have an impact on A, the product teams they're working with and B, by extension, the users uh, themselves? That's a very good point, Michael. So I find it's always different across different organizations, but I think the first thing is, and this is if you're a consultant, if you're there permanently, if you're working in an agency, um, whatever your role is, understand where they are in their journey. And this can come from, do they see design, and I'm going to use service design as an example because that's my field, um, do they see it as a nice to have or something that's really core to their business? Do they have a strategy around where they want to go and how service design can help them long term? So um, do you go to someone that's in accounting, for example, in sales and you say, I'm a service designer, and they have that awkward face where they just don't know what you're talking about? Or are they someone that gets it and they can see new opportunities and they want to work with you because they know long term there's real value there? Then we're not there to eliminate people's jobs and roles. We're there to enable teams, clients and customers to do better, really, um, from a holistic point of view. So what would you say, what do you love about what you do? Uh, um, where do I start? Um, just for my specific role, so I'll go back a little bit. I've got a portfolio career. So certain time I still get to work with large organizations. I'm in Singapore at the moment. Um, I've just finished up some work with a large healthcare organization looking at some chronic illnesses um, in Singapore, which is a huge issue at this time. We're looking at behavior change to see how we can create new services. but. Um, 50% of my time I give back. So I do a lot of work with OpenIGO London, a lot of social innovation work. Um, I'm doing some work with a local council back in the UK at the moment where we're looking at community-based um, businesses that are focusing on um, underrepresented founders and how they can develop their ideas in general. And I also do a lot of speaking and writing as well. And I give back to um, young entrepreneurs, helping them learn about design thinking and human centered design so they can start building fantastic businesses for the future. Going back to your question again, Mike, it's what I love is the variety of um, the work I'm really involved with and also connecting with different people that think slightly differently, getting that different perspective on what the challenges and what the problems could be and unpacking them. I love it when there's that whole, oh, I've just realized that um, we're doing something, I wouldn't say wrong, but what we're doing, we could do a little bit better. How can we improve existing services and experiences? How can we think about the future in different ways? And when that clicks, whether that's in a workshop or those are, or for those are one-on-one -on -one conversations, when that happens, that's where the real magic um, arises. I, I go back and I won't say who the client was, um, but there was this time we were running a workshop and we were really just trying to unpack the years of challenges they were facing because they're going through a huge change around their services, around who their business was at the moment, design was a key part of that. Uh, this organization had over 20,000 um, people and I was the only design lead there. So I had a huge task of 
educating and actually doing the work. So it was a, a big piece of work. But um, one thing that always stuck with me was um, after the workshop, one of the senior stakeholders and the, he was the director, he said, this felt like therapy. Um, I, I, I lost the ability to love what I was doing. And now having these conversations and really mapping out what the future could look like from a service, from a proposition design point of view, um, I just feel inspired again. And that's what I want to do. I want to, I want to help and empower people to do the right things. Um, and that's, that starts with the mindset with giving them tools um, and resources, making sure that we share the same language when we're trying to get things done in general. That's amazing. It must be very gratifying to be involved in, in work like that. Yeah. Yeah, um, it makes my hands shake a little bit just thinking about it, really. Um, get a little bit choked up on a professional level, of course. <laughs> uh, of course. And without wishing to bring the, the conversation down to earth with a bum, in a sentence, what frustrates you about what you do? I think the frustration is that, and I go back to server design event again, because that's my key craft, that, that that's a silver bullet, or server designers, they just know what the answer is, where we're not the experts. There's people that are in organizations or our communities that have expertise and understand about things that go beyond my comprehension. So I could be in an organization for 10 years and I still would not know exactly what they know. And so it's people that still think in silos that still think that, oh, we just need to serve design because X, Y, Z organization used service design and this is what happened. Um, there's a lot more work that's involved and it involves the aspects of collaboration, which is what my talk is going to be about. How can you bring the smartest people or people that have different perspectives together to solve complex issues um, and create sustainable relationships, whether that's inside organization or outside of an organization? That's you've anticipated my next question. So that that's fantastic. So what would you like your audience to take from the talk you're going to be giving at UCD Gathering? So there's quite a few themes that are really jumping out to me uh, because to be honest, this and this is me being a little bit selfish here, this talk is a good chance for me to reflect over the last two years during COVID. And one of the key mantras that have come out is empathy for everyone, not just the people that are paying you, not just for the customer, but everyone that's involved in the service um, indirectly and directly. So it's how do you unpack and understand what that looks like? And also how do you build those long-term meaningful relationships um, and connection with those people? So it's not just, oh, this person um, is gonna help me now and um, I can get the most out of them. It's how do you create a network of people that can really serve each other? Um, you might not get value from them straight away, but there's almost a level of reciprocity where other people within the system, the environment you work within, let's say that's finance or within government um, or healthcare, which I've just talked about there. But, um, if you just peel back the curtains, there's just so many more stakeholders involved that you're trying to design with, not design for. So how might um, listeners to your talk uh, put into practice some of the kind of techniques or insights that you're you're covering would you say well once again it's it's all around framing so it's really understanding the organization where they are at the moment in their journey as well do they understand server design do they understand design in general can you provide any cases but I'll take a step back a little bit because there's this aspect of understanding the system the environment you're in to see what's going well and what's not going well at the moment. I think the big thing, as designers, we're getting better at it, um, but there's this whole idea of design going to save the world. 
Um, and if an organization doesn't have X amount of designers, oh, they're screwed. Um, I, I think we need to think about how we as a society, not just saying designers, but everyone, because um, everyone has the right to design, build, create new things. If you're going accounting, if you're in legal work, you are adding value in some way. How can you empower them and also understand where they're coming from as well before pushing a solution or a service at them? And that's one of the key things. And there's 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 more things I'm going to go into during the talk around this aspect of um, how do you create long-term sustainable relationships uh, and build almost a ripple effect over time. I, I've changed my um, language because I used to say it's infectious, but um, just during the time and climate, I've turned it, I've turned it into a <laughs> um, ripple effect. I think that's a, that's a more PC way of saying things. Of, um, I like that. Yeah, the last couple of years, infectious has entirely the wrong connotation. <laughs> exactly. Fantastic. Okay. And the last thing, and I, I do this with all my guests, my three card challenge. So I've got here three uh, playing cards, Daniel. So we've got Jack of Spades, Queen of Diamonds, and Ace of Hearts. And on the back of each of these, I've written either tool, technique, or trend. So a, a, a tool that you use in your work uh, that you like, that you, you favor potentially, a technique that you use that you particularly, um, you know, is your go-to technique and a trend that you maybe you like, maybe you don't like. Mm -hmm. I'm going to go for the Queen of Diamonds, please. Right in the middle. Trend. Ooh. That's an interesting one. Um, there's a couple of things that jump out when I think about trends. The key thing is, uh, one of the big trends is, how do we think about not just millennials, Gen Zs, but also our older um, populations. So I've worked with some amazing people and um, some people actually in their 70s, but extremely smart, extremely capable because um, we're in the knowledge economy, just that's the type of work we do. And um, ageism is a is a huge trend that's coming into place. So how do we value people that are getting older but still have a wealth of wisdom? Can we help them get on boards? Can we help them share their knowledge to the next generation? I'm a huge fan of mentoring. I'm part of a number of different groups, including um, ADP List, um, Mega Mentor, and a whole bunch of others. Um, I'll probably plug a little bit later on. So that's key, but also thinking about um, the next generation, what are we designing for them? So that trend over time. So looking at different systems and how, they, how they're being impacted, especially during COVID. Uh, I've done a lot of work with um, some clients around looking at the education system, the food system, the housing system at the moment, um, the healthcare system, they're all interconnected. So that's really key, trying to look at that bigger picture and how, when you're developing new experiences, how are all those trends feeding in over time and how can we tell a clearer story where everyone is um, at the heart of the solution we're trying to design. So that's designing with again, rather than designing by. Fantastic. Two more cards. Oh, I'll go for Ace. The Ace is a tool. So tool. what's your, your go-to tool or your favorite, your tool of choice in your day-to-day -day work? It's really funny, and this is um, off the script, but my key tool is Grammarly, funny enough. So if you've probably seen some of my emails, delight, Delightful Dyslexic, um, I got this from a really well-known, one of my um, kind of heroes, Pip, um, she created the dot, and she uses that in her 
um, subscription, as I am her her signature as well. So um, Grammarly has really been helpful. And I think as designers, it's not just about creating pretty things, but it's how do we tell stories? How do we create clear messages? And Grammarly is just, um, it's my hidden superpower, if that makes sense. Um, if I'm writing something, how can I distill that in the best way? I'm a, I'm a big fan of writing just because it's a great way to clear your thoughts and thinking that's stuck in your head over time. So if you can articulate that in writing as well as being able to design something that's beautiful, you're winning on both sides. Brilliant. Last one. <laughs> Jack, uh, Jack is yep. technique. So what's your, in your day-to-day, week-to-week work, what's your favorite or go-to technique? That's an interesting one. Uh, I would say empathy is a little bit of a cheap shot, but I'll take a step back there, but it's, it's listening. And when I mean listening, I mean really listening. So what are some of the things that are not being said in conversations? So understanding body language. I know there's a huge um, trend now when everyone's on a Zoom call or a Teams call to turn their cameras on, but I always try to be engaged. I always try to turn my camera on and make sure that I'm 100% present. So that's empathy, but that's going beyond empathy. Um, I worked with a client many years ago and it's still it's stuck in my head It's actually two things. The first thing is, the more you listen, the smarter people become. So I always find it's important to listen to what's being said and what's not being said and try to think about how that's going to impact your relationship with people and from a design point of view when you're working with non-designers. But also how do you um, really understand what's not being said so you can start opening up further dialogue in general. And obviously part of that is listening. And this is the second phrase as well. Um, I worked with an amazing researcher that told me this. It's, I believe it's an Arab term, but I could be wrong. When I researched it, I think um, it comes from multiple different areas, but it's um, if speaking is silver, listening is gold. So it's that fun thing of just trying to talk less and listen more. Thank you so much indeed, Daniel. Thank you for joining us all the way from Singapore. Um, love to speak to you from so far away and we very much look forward to your talk thanks for listening to the understanding users podcast if you enjoyed what you heard do please like or comment wherever you're listening and feel free to share this episode more widely and feel free of course to drop me a line with any feedback via linkedin or on my website researchable.uk links are in the show notes join me again next time in the last of this three-part episode when i'll be chatting with the final inspirational keynote speaker at ucd gathering 2022 Errol Fox of Simply Secure. Until then, stay safe and stay user-centered.